Hey, welcome to Joyous Eclectic, where we talk about how sick Matt is. came down with something like last week and i haven't gotten sick in many many years mm. so Welcome i guess to the party. it was bound to happen that's about <laughs> how i am with I, I got the flu last year or something like that and that was really annoying but besides that i've got all these sick days at work and i just feel like i waste them <laughs> not getting sick which is like that's a good thing to not be sick but at the same time like it would be nice to I don't know. Just use the time off that is reserved right, for you. Exactly. Yeah. Like, because other people use them more often. And sure, they're more unfortunate than I am because they're sick, like Matt is. Yeah. But. I just feel bad for taking a sick day. Like, if I could power through today at work, then, I mean, I guess I could power through tomorrow, even though I would love to take a sick day tomorrow. And that would just make things so much better. But, <laughs> yeah, but the question, uh, I mean, do even if you know that you're slightly better tomorrow than you were today, your coworkers don't necessarily know that you're not slightly worse. And Unless if you're still listening to this, oh. uh, so true. They're what a joy and blessing that would be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But man, that sucks. I'm sorry you're not feeling good. That is a okay. But yeah, I apologize in advance if I uh, stay in the background and look at the pretty colors of the wall uh, for some of this episode. I just hope you make some really gross noises on the mic. You can just give me a lot of schlorps and schleezes. That would be really great. Schlorps and schleezes, mostly. I will try and maximize the schlorps. Thank you. Thank you. I need those. That's how I That's how I fuel my body. That's, that's the ASMR that yeah. the crowds have been waiting for. Yeah. What everybody's craving. Yeah. So what you been listening to this week? Me? Yeah. Me. Uh, well, here's a couple things. Um, Matt... I showed Matt a thing. Matt, are you going to talk about the thing that I mentioned to you? No, that's all you. Cool. All right. I honestly, you'll you'll know more about. It. I only listened to the one song of his, but a guy named Lewis Cole. Again, I just really listened to one song of his, and uh, yep, that's it. No more. I started to almost listen to some more of it today, but I didn't. It was just on my Discover Weekly, and this one song, I was like, that's really cool. Um, Man, Matt, you may be better describing it than I am, but it was like uh, a little bit soulful, but like upbeat, and reminded me in some parts of... Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, what's their name? Um, the they make the family albums and stuff. Um, family albums. They're not an actual family, but um, Snarky Puppy. Oh, yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. of like Snarky like Puppy meets dinner. like John Bellion, uh, which I don't know is probably <laughs> just really wrong, in or incorrect. But it was fun. It's just upbeat and stuff for this one song at least. And then you mentioned Matt that it reminded you of. Thundercat. Thundercat. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I, I listened to the whole album. I think it's called Time is yep. the name of the record. And uh, it came out just this year, and I, I 
hadn't heard of the artist before but yeah it was like super upbeat funky a lot of electronic influences but like really complex rhythms and just melodies going on um mm-hmm. and it reminded me like i told parker it sounded like white boy thundercat <laughs> i've brought up thundercat on the on the uh, podcast before and he's just like a slamming bass player who's also an incredible like r&b soul funk singer um but he put out an album called drunk in 2017 that's just like this odyssey of crazy like eclectic funky jam songs that just go all over the place and that's what this record sounded like to me uh i there's definitely some some like slower jams on there Mm -hmm. uh but for the most part it's just really high end like high octane don't really pause to take a breath kind Mm -hmm. of album and it's really really fun and it's definitely interesting and there's a whole lot of talent on the record and there is a song that features thundercat which Look at that. That makes sense. I <laughs> didn't know, like, before I said that it sounded like Thundercats. So I was like, oh, well, I guess that makes sense then. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's all kinds of uh, talent on it. Uh, Janelle Monet is also on this album. Uh, she guest sings on one of the songs, and she's also a tremendous artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I absolutely recommend checking that one out. The song that I was listening to is called Trying Not to Die, and Dennis Hamm is on it, and he's a keyboard, he's a piano player, keyboard player, whatever. Um, I don't know him from anything else besides I looked up another video of him playing and I'm like wow he's good at doing his playing that instrument that he plays (laughs) (laughs) but besides that um, yeah it was fun Uh, honorable mentions go out to some new Silent Planet singles and uh, re-listened or was listening to the Contortionist's latest album again on the drive home today Um, but yeah so that's what I've been listening to what about you Matthias yeah so I went back and checked out uh a an old an older record that I got into kind of back in 2012 13 ish a little bit after it first came out it's, uh, the Dirty Projectors uh, Swing Low Magellan. this week and i man i forgot just how much i enjoyed it so i was actually recently a a guest on another musical podcast and one of the record ideas that we talked about talking about on that podcast was swing low magellan and i was like man i need to catch up on that record because i i forgot about just really how crazy of a record that was so i went back and checked it out and it's just it's so good all the way through <laughs> it's like a modern masterpiece it's so it's another like eclectic record that just has so many different variations of tone and what's uh, the like baseline genre or whatever i guess it's like pop rock but there's like okay so the first half of the album is pretty empty as far as like heavy guitar goes but then it it just comes in randomly there's a lot of like um simultaneous like acapella going on with like almost african beats kind of stuff uh and like a lot of crazy vocal harmonies um it's you know it's primarily a guy singing but there's like a lot of female like upper register female harmonies and then all of a sudden like uh, like the opening track for example goes from like a 4-4 kind of swing beat to like this super heavy dirty 6 eight rock beat Hmm. and then like and that's the chorus and then it fades back into just that like four four clap like the only percussion you get is clap and then the second time it does the chorus it does that same melody that you got like with that first heavy rock beat but this time it's just all acoustic and like so that that Hmm. heavy rock beat doesn't come back into the song and then the end of the song goes back into that heavy rock beat but there's like it goes from that to just these crazy rhythms that 
like the vocals drag behind so much on so everything just feels like it's playing catch up with each other uh-huh. but um i just i think the way that the album is mixed and just laid out is is very well done and it gets a little more interesting each time you listen to it yeah. like I remember listening to it when it first came out and it, like there were some good songs on it primarily like the ones that were marketed to be like the big songs um but other than that I just it none of the stuff I really you know cared to stick with or like remember but going back and listening to it this week I was like man that's some seriously good stuff <laughs> on this album so yeah definitely check that out dirty projector swing low magellan before we move off but two quick question how was the other uh, podcast being on there Oh yeah, that was really great. Uh, I was on a podcast called Critically Acclaimed uh, with the host Jake Ramirez, and each week he dives into uh, like a, a serious analysis of just whatever album. I mean, he he's talked about stuff like uh, I think he the one that he did before this week's was like Janet Jackson, um, and then he's done uh, Sufjan Stevens mm-hmm. and uh, of Montreal mm-hmm. was one of the records that I really enjoyed. Uh, listening to but each episode is roughly an hour and a half to two hours so pretty lengthy discussions and they kind of go like he has a guest on every week and they kind of go song by song but we talked about uh transatlanticism by mm-hmm. death cab for cutie uh which was a lot of fun um definitely some some stuff that i learned uh he wasn't <laughs> super familiar with the album which is oh, part of the reason yeah and uh, part that's part of the reason he wanted to do it was so he would kind of be forced to to like get a better understanding of it um, take a good look at it <laughs> yeah so uh i think he learned some things through the process of recording and i definitely learned some things that i didn't know about it so it was fun uh you could probably find that on itunes or spotify i haven't listened to it myself and i probably won't because aside <laughs> from this podcast i hate listening to myself but, <laughs> uh, but yeah <laughs> yeah definitely go check that out critically acclaimed go subscribe and leave a review it's it's really fun and uh there's some kind of different eclectic album every week so i'm interested to see what it's going to be next week nice yeah um so the only thing that i really like saw slash i guess started listening because i I mean i kind of like saw a few different things or listened to a couple older albums this week but the new thing that i i have more seen this week uh was something that one of my buddies showed me last night actually um called bink beats K beats, of course. Um, yeah, super interesting. Uh, it's just this guy, and he sets up with like a whole lot of equipment. He'll have like, you know, a snare drum, hi hat, kick drum, some like weird small cymbals, a couple keyboards, a bass. Uh, you know, like some MIDI controllers going to like Ableton or something like that, and just some other random instruments that he'll have or noisemakers, and he'll just sit there and make little like groovy breakbeat tracks essentially like he just kind of builds up these little songs using a lot of looping and a lot of different layers um but he he's really good at it like he does enough pre-production work on that kind of stuff where he'll have like a song that he's written and then he'll structure it in a way that he can play all the parts but it's still interesting it's not like you know somebody loops a part and then Uh just noodles over it for a really (laughs) long time with another instrument it's like okay he's gonna you know start a pad or start a vocal part or some noise and then like pick up the bass and do a like pretty funky groovy bass line 
and then put a break beat over it with the like small kit that he has and you know layer on some vocal part or something and then pull all that back out and start something else like a new section of the song with only a keyboard or he'll one thing that he does that is really interesting on some of and you can find all of this on youtube i would definitely recommend watching it Mm -hmm. um, more than just listening to it because i mean it's interesting to listen to it's more interesting to watch him do it because he'll do this thing too where he doesn't he tends to write these songs in slightly like different keys so you'll have like section a that's in you know a major or whatever and then he'll write a part like the bass part for the last section that fits but then he'll modulate the key of what he's doing so that that bass part still fits in Mm. what the new key is but everything else he does after that is definitely in the new key and it's really just the way that he kind of structures things and the chord progression he chooses are really interesting and i don't know it's really refreshing to see somebody take like the live looping thing and do something a little bit unique with it like yeah because I've that seen a lot really of interesting. yeah, I've seen a lot of people do live looping, and like I love live looping. Mm-hmm. I love Andrew Bird, and I love like you know, uh, shoot, what was that girl's name? Uh, she did the Tina Fringe, probably Tina Fringe. Um, totally Tina Fringe. <laughs> now she was on that really big song uh, like several years ago. Now I guess the Madonna. <laughs> oh my gosh! I think it starts with an S. I'm trying to. You didn't want to back me up. Oh, oh, oh! I know. <sighs> I'm trying to remember the name. Okay, yeah. it was on that guy's song, the really big song that he had. It was the girl that from song. that. Okay. And I just can't remember her name right I now. I don't think I would for the known life it. of me. <laughs> uh, Amanda Bynes. It, I think it starts. Someone with an that S, I used to I, know is the song. Somebody that I used to know. Yeah. yeah. Oh uh, man, who is that featuring? It starts with an S. Anyway, she does some live looping stuff too. That's that's pretty uh-huh. cool, uh, really unique. But yeah, I don't know. It's just really interesting. Um, the other thing that is kind of like this that I had seen before, but on like a very smaller scale, is there's another channel called Red Means Recording, and that guy just has a Teenage Electronics OP1, and he just like uses that synthesizer to make whole songs Mm -hmm. and tracks and stuff and he basically does like his whole creative process in front of you so he's just like noodling with the synthesizer the whole time but it's like a 25 minute video of him like picking his patches and like Mm -hmm. i like the way this sounds but i want to change this about it and so he'll like go through the settings and like change the sound of it or fix this or like do a sequencer and stuff and then the last like five minutes of the the video is like the track that he created at the same time Hmm. uh, which is also really interesting um I don't have a specific Bink Beats video that you should check out. There was one that had a keyboard player that was playing with him, and he was also really nasty at keyboard. Um, nasty is good. Nasty is very good. He was a <laughs> very you, good keys player. All you old timers out there. Yeah. Um, well, he's a nasty player. Shouldn't be listening to him then. He says a lot of cuss words. A lot of them curse words. Uh, uh, that was super cool. Just look up like Bink Beats on youtube and i'm sure you'll find a, a breadth of videos that you can watch red means recording also has a ton of videos but one specifically that is really good is i need you um, mm. his videos are usually dated and then they have like a parenthetical what he's named it or whatever and i need you is just a really cool song mm. yeah i looked for uh when i was watching the red Re- red means recording videos i looked for like albums that he has available mm-hmm. and i can't really find anything like there's not much on spotify and i don't know if he has like physical like cds or vinyl or anything like that but it's a really enjoyable youtube channel mm-hmm. very yeah the op ones are super cool if you're interested in like synthesizer technology at uh. all 
those things are buck wild. They're just the crap mm-hmm. that those things can do. Like, you know, because it's an onboard synthesizer, so it's obviously got, like, typical synthesizer patches and stuff like that. But then you can also buy, like, an antenna to stick into it so you can get radio frequencies to sample, like, bits of radio as That's it's coming fun. in or stuff like that mm-hmm. and vocal samples and all sorts of little modulators. And, and, again, you can record everything to it itself. It's got, like, a multi-track recorder built into it that you just control through the synthesizer. I mean, it's it's really an impressive piece of technology, and it's very expensive. It's like $1,000 <laughs> for a very yeah. small synthesizer. It's a grant. Wow. Yeah, it's, I mean, but it is a very powerful tiny piece of technology mm-hmm. uh, that is really cool don't break it otherwise yeah. it'll be a grand yeah, slam good oh, oh. 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 hot it dog <laughs> firing off with the quips that's the one mm. okay i am googling real quick so i just need to know what her name <laughs> is real quick her name is sarah sarah <laughs> just sarah sarah it's just sloppy sarah. more sarah like sloppy. oh my gosh it's just Sarah can't off. sing is more like it, Ew. right? Because that song is This bad. is good audio. <laughs> Kimbra. 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 Okay. Holy I was, cow. Kimbra? Is yeah. it just one name? Yeah, it's just it's, Kimbra. It starts with a silent S. Yeah, <laughs> <Where>? Kimbra. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, if you look up Kimbra live on like Spotify on YouTube or something, she's got a little like live video just out in a yard somewhere uh-huh. of her with a little like looper. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Looping funny. stuff, I feel like, yeah, there's such a array of really boring oh, yeah, to no, 100%. really, really cool. Uh, and mm. I feel like the really boring stuff at the beginning was cool, like back yeah, when it yeah, was like no, look at this new technology yeah. i can just record something mm-hmm. and doodle something on it mm-hmm. somebody's like that's just that person sitting up there playing all that music but you know then pretty quickly that was like well we understand what a looper is so just using a looper is not interesting <laughs> yeah, it's anymore. not super impressive anymore. the only time i use a looper like that when uh-huh. i'm playing live is like i am literally playing background noise mm-hmm. for like yeah. an event or i'm just like in a space like a coffee shop yeah. and nobody's actually paying attention to me and i don't want to anybody space. to pay i'm just <laughs> i'm just making noise to put out into the room yeah. i will totally do that <laughs> just like loop a chord progression noodle some stuff or like write some ideas while i'm there uh-huh. but but yeah, pretty much. Uh, but yeah. otherwise like the interesting way to use loopers usually in like a band setting is to record multiple parts like the way that caspian does or the way that for god's sake minus the bear does i mean mm-hmm. that that was kind of their whole shtick was was a uh, good god man names dave nudson uh he had four dl4s <laughs> and like the other guy had two and i think their bass player had one and like their drummer had one i mean like they just went yeah they blew through dl4s like they were going out of style <laughs> anyway. maybe they're going out of style maybe they are the going out of style there are a lot of other loopers on the market <laughs> now the dl4 is still what i feel like is the best looper and now this is a whole different conversation but i i really do like the dl4's looper a lot and i wish there were some other like pedal based loopers that had the functionalities of the dl4 Mm -hmm. but in a smaller slash more regular shaped container that didn't break as often Mm. dl4s are notorious for pooping the bed (laughs) i'm gonna go on record not really I'm going to go on record and say that the best looper was the one with uh, Bruce Willis in it. <laughs> if you weren't going there, I was about to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I swear, I was so tripped out by um, 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's nose. The whole movie. Yeah. I was so confused because I was like, is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Because <laughs> it looks like an almost twin of his She's with a, a big old honker nose. on there. <laughs> yeah, it was just super confused. It was kind of like uh, there's an episode of Friends where there's Ross and then there's a character named Russ where it, it's Ross, <laughs> but they put like a fake nose on him and it's supposed to look like like oh look at this guy who's so similar to ross and i was like confused for a bit is this someone they hired that just looks so much like david schwimmer and no it's just stupid old david schwimmer again just stupid david (laughs) schwimmer we couldn't get one episode (laughs) oh man alive so you guys yeah should we jump into the topic for this week let's Let's do it let's talk about a topic Okay, so what are we talking about tonight? Uh, Matt, this is your topic. You tell us what we're talking about. So, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about live shows. Yeah. None of those dead shows. Get out of here. Uh, get out of here, dead boys. Uh, so, dead particularly, boys. we're going to talk about, like, I guess, live show experiences that we've had, be it as an audience member, maybe as a player on the stage. Um, maybe very a little Shakespearean. bit of experience. <laughs> yeah. on the stage. All the world to be a stage, and we are merely players. That's Rush, who <laughs> took that from Shakespeare, but that's not what Shakespeare said. That's paraphrasing. That's Rush paraphrasing yeah. Shakespeare. Well, also the lead singer of Chiodos has that tattooed like across his collarbone, which was super choice, you know, in the early two thousands. So true. True. Yeah. <laughs> so live shows, yeah. Yeah, so uh, there were a couple questions that I wrote down that I thought we could uh, use to drive the conversation. Um, I think this episode might be a little bit different just because it's not particularly anything specific, uh, just kind of about the the whole live band experience. uh, And is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Um, Obviously, that's a very broad subject. So (laughs) I got just a couple questions that I thought we could use to kind of narrow it down and talk about specifics. Um, uh, I'll go ahead and start with the first question, and I'll just leave it open for discussion. Uh, What makes a band worth seeing live? Mm, That is a... Okay. I think it's different depending on what you want out of it and the kind of band it is. Absolutely. Which I, I know is kind of a cop-out answer, but <laughs> but I'll use this as an example. You know, there's a lot of, like, pop acts out there that if Joe Schmo decided he was going to go see Jay Beebs, and he went, and he went and saw <laughs> Jay Beebs, and Jay Beebs played all of his songs in a way that was unfamiliar to Joe Schmo, Joe Schmo would probably leave that concert and be like, that was horrible. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that. I wanted to hear these songs that I know but I wanted to see like a big concert experience to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas every time almost that I've seen Andrew Bird, it's been very different. And a lot of his songs sound very different because he plays them in a different way. And I look at that and say, I really enjoy that. It's really fun. It makes me want to go see him in concert every time he comes to town because I'm not going to see the same thing again. It's always going to be different. Mm-hmm. But... That's not... Yeah, I don't know. It's not really the same thing. So both can be valuable. Both can be good things, but it just kind of depends like what you kind of want out of the concert and to what kind of artist it is. Yeah, I would suspect... Okay, so yeah, there is definitely a certain amount of... 
if like people could go to a show to dance, for example, yeah, where they totally. don't at that point, it's it's more about the music that they're listening to than about experiencing anything particularly from the performer. Uh, <laughs> if you can hear my dog barking, yeah. that's because my dog is barking. Probably my wife just got home. Um, so, so there's kind of there's a small segment of that where it's you're going to the show for not the purpose of the entertainment of the show, but for you mm-hmm. to be able to do an experience like yeah. dancing or whatever. Um, but let's exclude that from the topic for the moment. And I feel like the two main factors are entertaining performance and then the other one being um uh, so entertaining performance being more the show of it and mm-hmm. just kind of the glitz and glam and then the other side being interesting music kind of thing so you, i feel like just to a large degree just to really generalize you can have either really standard music that sounds exactly like it does on the recording but you do a great big show of it and make mm-hmm. it really interesting to watch. But musically, like it's just kind of same old, same old. Or on the other side, do really different music musical stuff. Like I mean, arguably a lot of jazz bands might be really yeah. boring to watch, but the music that they're doing is really interesting and it's different from you know recording or yeah, like whatever. All the solos are different and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and just you know, like it's musically interesting, all that kind of thing. And both of those would be considered really good shows. And then where you get into dangerous points where it's not a band worth watching is somewhere in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, like the bands, honestly, the exact two polar opposites of, of that happens when I went to see thrice where the, um, the uh, blah, 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 that one band, the Bronx. The opener, yeah. Okay. So the first, first band, the opener, not that interesting musically, and also not that interesting performance. So kind of like I didn't really care one way or another. Yeah, <laughs> it was still interesting to like watch the show and find out about their music, but I just didn't really care too much. The second band, The Bronx, like great performers, just a fun old time, and the music was I didn't really care about it one way or another, but it was fun. And but their live show and the atmosphere was really what counted, and their the entertainment on that side and then thrice on the opposite end like great music and like changed up just the right things and were like still entertaining as performers but not like necessarily they were kind of like a 75 percent more on the musical side and 25 percent on the entertaining side Mm -hmm. um so kind of yeah i don't know that's just overview of my analytical thoughts on (laughs) on all that stuff i don't know matt what do you think so yeah kind of going back to what you were talking about with I, I was going to ask next if it's a live band that you've never seen before or that you're unfamiliar with uh, watching them live let's say they put on a really good show are you more likely to go and seek out more music from them after that show um, I'm always on the fence with this because I've seen some really good bands live and I hate myself for not remembering <laughs> their names or you know like how or how to find them like i'll go and look at back at the event page or whatever and i'll be like okay so they were called blah 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 and i'll look up blah 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 on spotify and be like that's definitely not the same Mm. band i saw like it it can't be because that was such a good live show and like this is the same band but man like i just want that live experience again Mm. um so i think it's interesting that sometimes like yeah you want the 
like if it, if if it is a band that you know, I guess everyone wants the ultimate package or the total package, which is do the songs in the best way possible, be it exactly how they're done on the record if how they're done on the record is very good and that's what you have come to expect to hear or maybe change them up a little bit but that that change better be good enough for me (laughs) to you know it's Uh like uh, some bands change up songs live or they'll like the the worst is when a band does like a super cut of five or six of their most popular songs (laughs) into just like one thing Uh, i hate that because they're Um, sick of playing them over and over and over again so they'll just yeah exactly this is a shortcut doing uh them all yeah that's the flip side of it is i mean from the band's perspective it, it, I guess you you constantly have to remember. Like I I would get burnt out. I mean I've personally never been on tour, but I have done you know five shows in one week. You know playing night after night and basically doing the same set list, and I get burnt out. Yeah, like I, right. after doing that three times, I don't want to do those songs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to respect a band who can do those songs night after night, month after month, and year after year. But is it is it like wrong for us to think badly of them for not doing their big hit song or doing it in a different way that's on the record? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I guess you there's always that line of taking into account of like, what do you want to do versus what do audience members want you to do? And sometimes, like, I think for maybe smaller bands in particular that have a smaller cult following or like an indie following or whatever that is definitely an easier realm to change up songs and do them in a different way than you do them on the record. Um, like somebody like Andrew Bird, who doesn't have a huge following, yeah. like he has a lot more freedom to do songs the way he wants to do because most of his fans won't get mad about that. Yeah, They'll hear a song in a new way and come to expect it. Whereas a band like Journey or whatever, <laughs> if they don't yeah. do Don't Stop Believing note for note exactly how fans know it, yep. then there's going to be riots. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that's extremely valid. It's just the kind of band it is. I mean, that's that's just kind of the whole thing, and it's it, a lot of it is just what people are expecting. Um, I, I think the way that you draw people to a show or the kind of band that it is that is drawing that crowd really determines what you can do with that kind of thing. Because like you're saying, like, if they have five hit songs and those are the songs that like is or why they're popular at all and then they don't play them it's like okay mm-hmm. half the crowd here if not more really kind of came because of those five <laughs> songs and then yeah. not doing them it actually kind of feels a little rude like yeah. this is why you're popular and mm-hmm. then to, to, to just be like well we don't like doing those songs anymore it's like well yeah but people paid money to come hear that basically mm-hmm. yeah. or if you're the kind of band that always does you know like huge jams and you know 10 minute long sort of things and that's what people are expecting when they come to see your show and then all of your songs are five minutes and there's no extended jams and there's none of <laughs> like mm. like if if, if uh, dave matthews band did exactly yeah, on the recording yeah, if, if dave matthews yeah. band played the record specifically and did not do any sort of jam or anything like new or interesting with any of the like people would leave that show and be like what the hell did i come here for like right. what was the point yeah. i can watch videos of them doing that like and th- that would be better than what i saw tonight or, th- or that kind of mm-hmm. thing and so yeah. yeah, as two two examples of kind of two sides of that of a band that's same kind of caliber. Um, I, I saw Switchfoot live and I saw Mute Math live, both of whom I know a good amount of their discography fairly well. Um, and the Switchfoot show was really good, and every 
yeah, everything was good. They got to playing Meant to Live and have played it so many times, so many years, yeah. but I've only seen them the like this time and then also like 10 years ago. Yeah. So I was like, cool, Meant to Live. Like This yeah. one I actually know pretty well. And then they did a rendition with um, uh, something family. Uh, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the a rendition with the band that was playing with them where it was like cello and acoustic guitar and it was different and it was cool but it was also like eh, kind of yeah. hoping that would be your encore song and that yeah. would just like be a big old you know hype yeah cool thing so you did it really differently and that's cool and i appreciate that but at the same time it's a little bit of a letdown it's a, a beautiful, beautiful letdown, letdown. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so good. Thank you. <laughs> um, so that on one side was like, you know, it, it wasn't that disappointing. I could see how somebody could have been more disappointed than I was because I, even though I was a little disappointed, like understood it all in context. And it was more of an interesting lesson to me than it was, you know, anything else. On the flip side, uh, Mute Math, we saw 21 Pilots two years ago oh, yeah. and Mute Math opened for them. And like, as they were playing, I turned to Ashley and I was like, Sorry, 21 Pilots, but Mute Math, like, there's I, no yeah. way that 21 Pilots can can up the stakes here. When Murphy mm-hmm. talked about the fact that Mute yeah. Math was opening for them on that <laughs> tour, like, he was about to go out with that tour or whatever, and he was like, yeah, and you know who they're playing with? They're, they're, they've got Mute Math opening for them. Yeah. I was like, what the heck? There, there's no way. Like, uh-huh. I don't understand a world in which Mute Math is the opener for 21 Pilots, uh-huh. and it's like, yeah, this is acceptable. <laughs> like, I mean, hmm. 21 Pilots is great, and yeah. they, they obviously have a huge following yep. uh and i and they did like their message I, yep. I like what they're doing like they're really great guys and everything mm-hmm. i have nothing against them or their music really they're not really necessarily my thing but like new math is so incredible yeah. that i just can't fathom how and it's funny too because i told murphy which yeah so murphy matt is a friend of ours who is a um he does tech stuff for um yeah he, goes he did on it on tour, that tour yeah. and, and stuff and i was telling him that it, I said that exactly. And he was yeah. like, oh, yeah, if you said that to the 21 Pilots guys, yeah, they're they totally know. with you. Yeah. Like, 100%, they agree. So, in any case, Mute Well, Math, and actually, too, yeah. real quick, uh, if you look on YouTube, Mute Math did some sessions with 21 Pilots mm-hmm. where they, like, redid some of their songs with all the Mute Math guys yeah. playing the instrumental parts on mm-hmm. it, and it is incredible. I would way rather, like... I. <laughs> I wish Twin Home Palace did that as their tour. Like Honestly, I would be way more on board if they had done that as their tour yeah. instead of Twenty One Pilots' newest album came out a couple of weeks ago, and um, whereas they had a bunch of producers on because that's what you do for pop stuff for yeah. their <laughs> prior record, Blurry Face, this newest one, Trench. Ashley would uh, would kill me if I didn't mention this is literally just Tyler and Josh. Um, it, it, no, it's just Tyler and um, Paul Meany. Oh really? It. Oh yeah. wow! Cool. So Paul Meany of Mute Math, the singer yeah. and producer and all that keyboards stuff, keyboards and all that. Yeah, exactly. Singer. So he's he's all over it, and you can really tell listening to it. So that's yeah. fun. Cool. Um, but yeah, the live show, <laughs> man alive! Mute Math did their stuff very differently in a lot of songs, and like took tons of creative liberties, but in only the best ways. Yeah. So and like, it's always so high energy too. Yeah, and like. I think part of what it is is that they turn the songs that are three-minute songs into jams, and as opposed to just completely being like, forget this, we're not going to do that, we're going to switch it up entirely and do something different, they take what you know and love and turn it into something bigger and better. And I think that's something that, you don't always have to do that, and people definitely succeed with live shows at taking it from, uh, you know, 
like the meant to live kind of thing with Switchfoot, and they do that well, and some people really like that. Especially if you have seen them a lot of times, that would be more impactful. Yeah, to do it completely differently. Um, but but I think for <laughs> to play it safe in any in any regard, you could just play the normal version plus a whole bunch more, yeah. and you're probably good to go most <laughs> of the time. So okay, so that kind of uh, uh, I guess kind of branching off of that, um, another question that I had was like how live does a live show need to be Hmm. in order for it to in order for you to justify paying a ticket for it and what i mean by that is i guess a number of things so first like if i were to go see beyonce live and it was you know beyonce on stage and maybe she was really singing maybe she was lip singing (laughs) i don't know she does a lot of choreographed dance moves (laughs) Um, but like a lot of artists like that uh, not particularly just her, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I've never seen her live, but like a lot of those guys, they don't have a backing band. It's just the studio recording playing in the background while the singer is on stage singing. Like, does that count as a live show? And on the same token, like, how live does the set need to be? In other words, like, if you just get up there with a bunch of instruments and do your thing, and there's no sort of visual aspect, or there's no sort of artistry, or maybe the lead singer doesn't really have charisma or there's nothing for you to look at aside from the people playing their instruments. Is that still worth going to a show for? Especially if you get like the same stuff that's on the album, like, and there's not much difference. I mean, maybe there's a couple extended jams and do you guys like extended jams? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess the question too, the only thing, yeah, so if if it wasn't an interesting performance, if the music was exactly the same, then essentially what you're getting is going to a location for a playlist of that artist as yeah, opposed to cuz you know, it's like there is something to be said for the way that an artist does their set list. There's a little bit of benefit there, but again, you could just do a playlist and you would still get that same ebb and flow with only missing intros and like and now the song you've all been waiting <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Uh. Um I don't know, Chad. Yeah, what do you think? Before I give my thoughts. Yeah, I guess it again. It sort of depends. <laughs> yeah. That so much of this is is very subjective, and so if there's anything to take away from this episode, it's that everybody has personal preferences, and everybody likes different things in shows, and that's fine. But not me. <laughs> except for me. I like the same thing that yeah. everyone likes. I know what I like, and I like what I know. He just wants Skinnered. And that's it. Uh, no. So, I mean, it, again, it, it sort of depends on the kind of artist it is. To me, who can get away with that? Because like you said, Beyonce can get up there and have a whole troupe of dancers and put on a huge show with a ton of choreography and a ton of like lighting and effects and visuals. And there's all this stuff going on. And there's kind of, it's almost like a theatrical production more than it even is like mm-hmm. a musical performance. Because again, like you're saying, at that point, there's, there's probably just a backing track. Or if there are musicians, they're off in a corner and they're not like being really shown off or anything it's just like they're just kind of there in the corner doing their thing and that that works and if you want to go see that and you want to see her production of it and you want to pay for that then that's fine you're still kind of getting your money's worth of what you want out of that for me that's not necessarily what i would want in a musical performance but when it's that you know what else are you going to do um but on the flip side of that too i mean minus the bear didn't really do a ton of interesting things with their songs they played their songs fairly how they are the novelty to me there is seeing how the performers 
construct what they're doing because they mm-hmm. there's so many like interesting noises and like random flavor and random like you know ear candy and stuff like that that it's like oh cool dave dunson did that he was just using a pedal or he's like actually making that live or he's got like this weird instrument that makes all these noises and that's how they made that song like for for analytical me who likes seeing the construction of that kind of stuff and like how people do that i'm fine with a band not being super visually interesting and certain bands um just playing their stuff the way that it is if it means like i get to sit there and kind of pick apart how they're playing what they play yeah because maybe there isn't a YouTube video of them playing a specific song or how they do this specific thing, and that's that's kind of interesting to me. But, again, like you're saying, if I went and saw Mute Math and they were not very excited and they just played their stuff straight through, that would, again, be disappointing because I've seen, I, like, I have a DVD of theirs that's just them going buck wild the whole time and tons of, like, creative liberties mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And, like, especially earlier in their career, famously very destructive. <laughs> Uh, Paul Meany just broke tons of crap on stage. Like, he just broke everything. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would imagine, like, that could be very disappointing. But I don't, I don't know. It's it's hard, and it, and it varies band to band for me what I actually want to see out of it. Yeah, I and there's, there's some of that, too, where... Man, so many different thoughts. Um, there's some shows where I don't want to be too analytical about it either, where, like, the same exact show... I've sat back and st- like I went to see Under Oath mm-hmm. and I was standing towards the back of the audience just kind of like watching and observing and being like, yeah, this is music. All right. Like, here we go. I like <laughs> is, these songs. Is this music? <laughs> <laughs> to some people, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was like kind of standing at the back and realizing I wasn't particularly enjoying it because I and I did have the thought like I'm pretty much just like watching somebody play the record live mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that because I was just standing back there. But then it just flipped the moment I went into the middle of the crowd and went and stood around other people that were also enjoying it where mm-hmm. then suddenly the energy of it was a factor. Uh, I, I just specifically remember being on the outskirts of it and just thinking about it all too much and trying to think about the fact like I am a musician and I'm going to understand and think about what they are doing and what makes this a good show instead of just like friggin being there and having a good time and so then when I just decided no I'm just going to go in the middle of it and get all sweaty and dance around for a bit and then run around in the mosh pit for a couple minutes and then I just had a fun time like (laughs) it's like these are songs that I really enjoy and I get to enjoy them in a specifically different way at this juncture in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Juncture? Junction? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas most of the time, I'm just listening to them in my car. And so that's something that I also, you know, even at the Thrice show, that's kind of an element that was there too, where there's, even if they're not doing something that visually impressive and the music is wonderful, but it's just a live version that's, you know, sounds great, but it's yeah. just a live version of the recordings in, in various ways. I'm standing here and having a great time mm-hmm. just because the energy of it. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to say that, but I actually don't remember what your initial question was. So my initial question was like, uh, how live oh, quote unquote, yeah. does the show oh, have yeah. to be uh, for you to I think to Chad justify. made some really good points in that it, it depends entirely what, on what you're going for. For example, mm-hmm. if you're going to an EDM show, <laughs> you're not going to experience what the music is. You're going to, I mean, you are, but for dancing purposes, not for like 
performance purposes. So the DJ right. is doing something really interesting, but it's just one person who's the live thing they're doing is just surprising you with the next song and changing yeah. it up a little bit so mm. that you can like have a good time. So there is a live element to it, but it's not it's not live performance in the same way as just live playlisting, <laughs> you yeah. know, which yeah. again there is yeah. an art to or whatever, um but it's, you know, just a separate thing. So I I think it depends on what you're going for, but as far as going to see Beyonce live, there's definitely she is a performer as well as I mean live. It's more about the performance than yeah, I think it is totally. about anything else. So the difference of it being just her with a backing track versus just her with a full band, whether that backing track or whether the band is live or not, I think the only difference it makes is kind of just like. Uh, it's a little bit awkward to see one person on stage completely by themselves and there being a ton of music mm-hmm. well, yeah. coming from nowhere. So like, that's pretty much the only difference though is, you know, if all those people are there, whether they're playing or not, it's just like, look, there's a bunch of people on stage. Yeah. So that just feels, mm-hmm. has a different vibe. And the only other thing that made me think of was Ed Sheeran. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know for sure, but I, I'm pretty sure all of his shows are just him and an acoustic guitar and he doesn't have... Hmm. Anything else, it's just him, It's just acoustic renditions of him and all of his songs. Because a lot of his songs just are him and acoustic guitar. I could be totally wrong on that. For some reason, that's just what I heard. Because uh, it was um, some artist friends of mine saying, like, man, his overhead must be so low. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, everybody else is touring with, like, 12 buses. And he's just yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to fly out and have a good old time. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I've seen videos of Ed Sheeran. And now, now that you mention it, I've only ever seen him playing with just his guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just I just always thought like oh he must just be doing that song just acoustic but yeah I suppose it's his full on show mm-hmm. yeah man that that must be a super easy <laughs> show to set up yeah no kidding mm. I mean also very vulnerable like well yeah and I mean if you mess up it's mm-hmm. on you you can't really blame it on anybody at that point hundred <laughs> percent but yeah I mean easy to set up and then also as far as the performance and music stuff go a the music's going to be different than the recording because the recording has more stuff you know to a certain degree mm-hmm. um sure but then also he actually probably gets to be not particularly that interesting performance wise because he's being more interesting musically i don't know yeah. i'm mm-hmm. be curious about that yeah. yeah there's definitely kind of a a gradient to things like they they can both be good and i don't have anything against like backing tracks or anything like that because i've seen plenty of shows and artists will have a and you know they're like their normal band and they'll still play with some tracks that still have some like flavor noise or like you know one part that they didn't want to bring this specific instrument out on tour with them or something like but then there's other bands that that do the opposite of that and they bring all their crap with them and they bring 12 people mm-hmm. because there's 12 people in the mm-hmm. band and they're running around the whole time and that can be really exciting to watch like I mm-hmm. I almost usually prefer that just because it's it's it is more visually interesting and there's more going on and you kind of see everything get made live, um, which can mm-hmm. be really fun. Like Arcade Fire is one of those bands that always just has twelve people and they're running around the whole time, like swapping instruments and they'll have yeah. two drummers for a minute mm-hmm. and then she'll come out and play a hurdy gurdy or something <laughs> and it's just like what is going on right now. Boney Vare was the same way the mm-hmm. the second two times that I saw him like always had a bunch of people on stage you know two drummers and then like a saxophone and a bass player is going to play clarinet for a minute and another guy who's playing guitar and also is going to play another instrument for a minute and just seeing all these people being multi-instrumental and and getting to use their various different like talents and stuff is really fun and exciting um 
but I don't know. I feel like Bon Iver and Sufjan are ex- extra points to the really depends thing because <laughs> if if you watch them and any of their stuff was tracks or not live, that would be. I mean, specifically within Sufjan, meaning in like the Detroit. I mean, the um, sorry, like Illinois or Michigan albums where, or the Age of Odds album where it's all this big, huge stuff that's happening, and Bon Iver has also some of that. Mm-hmm. That would be really disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole point of it is, you know, like the sound and the what it is is live sounding stuff, and there's imperfections on the album and yeah. all that. Whereas, you know, Beyonce is all probably perfect type stuff on the yeah. album. Taylor Swift is sure. perfect recordings and whatever for the most part. So it's not really as jarring because you're not but imagining also- when you're listening to it. Like when listening to, to Detroit "Lift Up Your Weary Head" by Sufjan, I'm imagining like 15 people playing all this stuff. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. I'm not in Taylor Swift. But again, you don't you don't go to Taylor Swift thinking I'm getting ready to see some instrumental el- excellence. Right. Like, not at all. That's <laughs> right. I, and that's kind of the whole yep. point of like it, it depends on what you're going there for and what people are expecting because, Precisely. like you're saying, like I'm not going to go to a rap show and be like I'm going to see the best guitarist here. Mm-hmm. You might actually like some of those guys have great drummers or they have great yeah. instrumentalists <laughs> that play with them, but not all of them do, and that's usually not why people go to those shows. Right. And I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like if, if and that's even not... if the drummer is great, like probably they won't really get a time to shine. Yeah. Besides being like you just barely noticing, like they got some chops back there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's something to be said about like uh, being able to command a band, especially as like a one person act. Yeah. Somebody like a Taylor Swift or I don't know, like a big rapper name or whatever. Like if if they have a full band with them that they're able to kind of like keep in charge of or like at least get along with on stage or whatever i think that's something to to look look at them and and feel more entertained yeah. by mm-hmm. it's definitely bonus points just, i don't yeah. know if it's yeah. necessary but it's definitely it's definitely good like it's nothing not. bad about that in any way yeah yeah but uh kind of going back to like the the instrumentation used on stage i have seen a lot of shows where i get kind of disappointed if i don't hear something that is on the record that i've been like, hmm. wanting to hear yeah and maybe that's like the absence of a certain instrument or like an entire string section and they just replace it with like a guitar yeah or whatever and then there are other times where that's done and it sounds really good and it it's like a wholly unique experience hmm. and it might sound better than it does on the record uh but yeah then there's just times where you know, you, sometimes you can't replicate something live. Like you can only do that through mixing and production and yeah, or even sometimes technology. you just don't have the people out on the road with you that right. can make that happen. Exactly. I mean, we can financial reasons. Yeah, whatever. financial <laughs> reasons are just like the limitations of the tour itself. Like, I, I see Kevin Devine example from a few weeks yeah. ago. Like that song has a really noisy guitar solo and a lot going on in the last half of the song, mm-hmm. Brothers Blood, on the record. And he's he, there are videos of him playing that live and playing it that way live that like it makes sense you he can reproduce that live but for that specific show it was just him a bass player and a drummer Mm -hmm. so he can't do that and so instead of doing that he did it in a different way that was incredible (laughs) but he he changed it up stylistically enough that it was just amazing the way that it was instead of just like i'm just gonna play it how it is but just leave out that part Mm -hmm. because that would have been disappointing yeah. That wouldn't mm-hmm. have been interesting. It wouldn't have left an impression, but because of the way that he did it specifically, yeah. it was more Yeah, when I saw yeah. Copeland live, I think I mentioned this, I think when we were talking about vocal parts, but um, they have a lot of really cool harmonies on, and like vocal parts on their recordings, and a lot of it's using like a vocoder or something mm. like that. And live, they didn't have anybody singing the harmonies. 
and yeah. that was sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think they just didn't have means to do it, really. Yeah. Uh, I figured somebody else in the band would have would like be a up. singer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But maybe that's just not something that's particularly matters very much to them or something. But yeah, that was definitely disappointing. So I think I think you're right. Like at that point, I might have. Pref- I don't know if I would have preferred a track of it versus it not being there at all, but it being there at all somehow would have been cool. <laughs> so. I think, it, I think uh, more often than not, like if, if there's something you can't replicate on stage for whatever reasons, uh, I think it's better to leave it out completely. Yeah. Just because otherwise I know it's a, like a backing track and I know that it's pre-programmed and it's supposed to be there, which just makes the show feel a little bit more inauthentic mm-hmm. when all said and done. Like I like a live show to feel like it is live and in the moment and like i i know i know better like but you know it's it's fun to think that none of this was pre-planned and they're like you know it's all spontaneous or that the band's just like feeling this so they're gonna do it this way as opposed to like okay we all need to be at the right spot at the right time because we're gonna have this little bit play in the background totally and that needs to come in clear and whatever i don't know uh i've seen some bands where they they make it feel very authentic and like they're just sort of like reading each other very well and i think especially as musicians like musicians can see other musicians and how well they're able to read each other and they know like when when they're not doing that mm-hmm. and everyone's just kind of like taking their own thing or not really into the show or whatever it might be so i don't know i think the the less the the more you can do with less is is always more fun yep um i've seen of montreal three times and they tend to have a lot of like electronic like synthesizer driven riffs and melodies and on stage every time they only have one keyboard player Hmm. like they have one synthesizer so they recreate a lot of their like classic and famous riffs with guitars or like sometimes with just bass i mean i've seen them like carry a whole tune that is like the studio album is super electronic and like fast bass driven and basically alive it's just the bass the whole time with like a kick (laughs) drum going on and it's like a bizarre thing to do (laughs) but I don't know, it, it kind of makes it interesting. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's not what I expected. And maybe it's not as good, or maybe it's better. I don't know, but it's something different. Here's a so. tag-along question that's just... Obviously not in any of the genres we particularly listen to, but specifically within like pop singer-focused music, where it's like Britney Spears or Beyonce, where there's a lot of dancing, choreography kind of stuff. What are the thoughts on... How much does it matter if it's lip syncing versus being sung live and all that? It doesn't matter to me at all. (laughs) They can do whatever they want. I mean, at that point, like you're talking about people who are who are paying tickets in the like hundreds levels for one ticket. Like they are paying for a perfect flawless show mm-hmm. just straight up i mean they, they are mm-hmm. and and at that level of performer you're expected to give a perfect flawless show and the only way for somebody to give a perfect flawless show while they're literally running around a stage <laughs> and running around a stadium is to have a track with it and you know yeah, what also- again I, again if you're not i'm not going to that show thinking i'm here to see vocal excellence or i'm here to see mm-hmm. instrumental or musical excellence i'm coming here to see a show mm-hmm. it, it is a production at that point it doesn't matter to me mm-hmm. at that point yeah. they can do whatever they want i i think it's still not impressive to me. <laughs> <laughs> even if it's live it's still not impressive so. anyway. no it's not it's not it's, i mean it's Burn. not impressive it's not, yeah. not impressive to many people yeah but like 
it's uh, i think those people who pay a hundred plus dollars for one ticket to go see a show you got to keep in mind that's the only show that they're going to see that year yeah because, probably you know, so <laughs> more than likely it's a casual music listener who's going to you know going to watch taylor swift live or going to watch whatever live and yeah they're expecting perfectness and maybe they're they're not going to think about oh is she lip syncing or that that thought probably doesn't even cross their mind because mm-hmm. they're they're there for the star yeah. mm-hmm. they like they yeah. want they want the star that's what they're paying for mm-hmm. they they don't care about the the choreography maybe the show has none of that or whatever as long as it has big production value mm-hmm and yeah, I guess choreography is a part of that. But you know, if if you give me like the big the big show with the fireworks and literally the wrestler, the big show needs to be there. <laughs> if he's there, then I'm going to pay five hundred dollars. But then I think like then I think about you hear the, that the band's other out artists. there. If you bring the big show out on tour, Matt Rawls will give you. <laughs> I think I still the cost benefit analysis will will weigh heavily against them in that department. If, if, Ariana Grande can land the big show for her next performance. So this is a wrestler that we're talking about? Okay, cool. (laughs) I've never heard of this person. The big show? Yeah, is it The Rock? No. No, I don't don't know who it is. Completely different guy. Uh, I'm just kidding. Anyways, um, but then you flip that around and you think about like, I don't know, if I, you know, Paul McCartney tickets are... $150. $150. Yeah. I don't want to go see Paul McCartney lip sync. Oh, no. 100%. Yeah. Right. But again, you do go see Paul McCartney to see excellence because he is still yes. excellent. Mm-hmm. Like, he has a reputation for being an incredible musician, mm-hmm. like, not just an incredible performer. And on another note, I did see him a couple years ago. That dude is like in his 60s or 70s. And runs around like a crazy person. (laughs) Like, I don't know how that dude hasn't had a heart attack yet. Like, knock on wood, because the guy can't die yet. But, I mean, that dude has way more stamina than I do, being like an almost Mm -hmm. 30-year-old, literally half of his age, and he can run around and sing and play and and be excellent. I guess it is hard to to really say, just because we are not the target demographic for those shows. But, yeah, I I personally wouldn't Mm -hmm. care less for those performers if they were lip syncing or not but it would be interesting to talk to like um my old my boss from the department that whatever doesn't matter somebody in my office loves beyonce like he just adores beyonce i'd be very curious to find out from him whether it matter or not because he is i mean he's who matters in that scenario well yeah um sure yeah i might see if i can find that out and report back um Hmm. because i'm just curious but i don't know yeah i think those those record producers or the people putting on those shows those promoters and event people they they know who they're catering to yeah. and they know what they're doing mm-hmm. i mean so if they decide that it's best for beyonce to, to lip sync right and focus more on the dancing that's what they're gonna do totally and no one's gonna complain about <laughs> it. yeah yeah exactly so i don't know um but yeah that's just uh interesting thing to think about my next question kind of Kind of a lot different. Hey, do you want what to take a is... break and come back with these questions after the break? Yes. <laughs> and we're back. Hello. Hello. Matt, what you said you had another well, question for us. What kind of what kind of little questiony question question What you got for us? Okay, so my next question was um uh, what are your, as a player, what are your best and worst and or worst live experiences playing? Chad, do you have anything off the top of your head? 
Well, so I, I don't know if I have any just like, this is my worst experience. <laughs> I, well, okay, so here's, I'm going to ask a precursor question. Is this like about the thing that I was playing with or like the experience of the overarching like show that I was playing and the lineup that I was playing with? Hmm. Or, I, hmm. I mean... The, I would say I would like, guess probably more the first, but also okay. would be interested in the yeah. latter. I'll yeah. probably talk about the latter in <laughs> another con- another. Well, because I, I think another I know another one of your questions, and I'll save that conversation for one of those. Um, probably like some of my worst experiences playing with like live bands and things have been worship band stuffs where very little prep work was done mm. or very little mm. practicing happened. Um, like they would send out stuff you know information about like what songs we were doing or like this particular version of a song that we're going to play or even sometimes a chart and that's all great and like i can practice with that and i can learn the song really well and i can know how to play with the track really well and know all the parts that i'm going to play and all this stuff but as soon as you get seven or eight people in a room and give them all instruments and you've never played before and they're like, mm-hmm. all right, we're uh, we're not actually going to do any of the songs beforehand. We're just going to kind of go. And like, <laughs> we all know the songs. Like, we've played together before, so it'll be fine. And then what inevitably happens mm-hmm. is I spend about an hour on stage with a guitar in my hands kind of fumbling through some stuff because nobody knows what they're doing and I'm not comfortable enough with like everything everybody else is doing or none of us have any awareness of anything that's happening and so we're all especially when you're already doing like kind of lead and stuff that would fill in gaps if you don't know where those gaps are going to be like and and when it is something like a very prominent lead part or like an instrumental section that's like this is when your part's supposed to happen but i don't Mm -hmm. know when we're taking that part or i don't know when we're about to do that and then like I might start that section and then like another person starts singing over top of it. It's like, oh, okay, so that's what we're doing right now. Cool. The song did it this way, but I guess you're just kind of doing your own thing, and that's <laughs> that's fine, I guess. Um, so that's mm. some of my worst experiences have definitely been that, where I'm just kind of up there and very frustrated internally because of the lack of preparation that happened, um, and not enjoying myself at all. Like I might play some of my parts just fine, and but it it, it always. You can tell when something's not been rehearsed. Yeah, so when when I used to play worship music uh, back in like the youth band and the the church band back in high school and a little post high school, um, we we did the same thing where basically the the worship leader would make a mix CD of all like ten songs that we're gonna do over the next yeah. two weeks or whatever. It's like listen to these and then we might have a practice, especially with youth band because we were all young dumb kids and we didn't know what a schedule was. So why why practice anything? We were like, eh, youth group is on Wednesday night. Let's just get here an hour early on Wednesday night. We'll make it work. <laughs> so take these songs, learn them. And basically the way it worked was this. We would all listen to the songs, quote unquote, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> uh, and then come to practice. And the guitar player would be like, well, I couldn't figure out what they were doing, so I just made up my own riff for it. Yeah. <laughs> we were like... Okay, I guess we could do Which it. Which like is saying that. a lot to not know what a worship band was doing. We're like, man, those songs are very easy. We so should have been able to. Not like, really super difficult. What, when you're when you're 16 and you probably didn't really listen to the songs. That's, that's oh, no, really what they're saying. Is I didn't yeah. listen to it. Well, yeah. and even if they did listen to it, it was like 
in the car yeah. on their way to somewhere yep. not uh-huh. like i'm sitting at home with my guitar like Trying listening to, to the songs <laughs> yeah no 100% yeah. like i've been yeah. there too i know that life i have 100% done that and there's sometimes where it's like i i will confess that sometimes before the church band that i currently play for i have definitely rolled up to practice having listened to the song on the way there mm. and been like uh, i've heard it like because there's some songs that you can kind of get away with yeah. that. And when there's it, also some when it's just like you can get away with that. Like if I'm playing bass, that's 100% what I'm doing. If I'm playing mm-hmm. drums, I'm listening mm-hmm. to it and practicing it ahead of time. Yeah. Because yeah, like drums, I'm there four nights a week and I'm practicing <laughs> a lot to get ready for it because I'm not comfortable in that way. But especially the style of the song too, like if we're doing something that's super gospel themed, it's going to be a bunch of noodling on my part anyways. Uh-huh. Like that's all yeah. they're doing on the recording is just like, you know, like noodling through uh pentatonic scales and stuff and so it's i can mm-hmm. do that too that's fine <laughs> yeah yeah um besides worship stuff i mean because i've definitely had some bad experiences with that just uh fairly recently there was a time that i was playing bass but i wasn't very prepared and i was planning on being as prepared as i am for my church <laughs> but the monitoring system when i got there was awful partly because i didn't bring in ears and just because I was like, oh, it'll be fine because we'll have something different. And we didn't have something different. So I was just listening through the overhead stuff and um, I couldn't hear a single thing. And there weren't charts because I didn't print them out and they didn't print them out either. And this, and I couldn't hear anybody else. It was just like a horrible mess of stuff. So that, I mean, that definitely happens. Besides that, just thinking about live shows, I've, I've probably got a couple things to pull from on the worst front. Um, I've got one more thing that go I can throw it. out here yeah. that I just thought of actually, because um, I I had repressed this memory <laughs> because of how frustrating it was to me. So I played with the, the last like real band that I played with and played out shows with was Low Beggar, and I loved that band and I loved playing with that band and they're absolutely my favorite music that I've ever made with any band ever. We had one show where Murphy, the guy who we were talking about that goes out with 21 Pilots, um, he was our bass player, and he couldn't be there because I think he was out with like either 21 Pilots mm-hmm. or somebody else. Um, and so we had to grab somebody else to play bass for us. And it was a guy who had played for another local project who's a good bass player, like really great dude. And we definitely practiced with him at least one or two times leading up to that show it was at dad's garage uh-huh. actually and man we got going and he just had no handle on anything no. that he was doing and it was the because mo- especially for like a band that i helped write a lot of those songs and i really know them very well and i really yeah. love that music and i really like playing that music and would really like to be able to not have to turn around and show you the parts that you're playing while i'm also trying to play my own parts yeah. at the same time was i was I at that show? I think you may have been there did, at that show. I can't remember. That Maybe it's very possible. It because it wasn't at the block or anything, but I can't uh-huh. remember if that was because we played with you guys at Dad's Garage once, and I've seen you at Dad's Garage. I think it may have time. been that time. But like <laughs> there, the last song we usually do is called Teeth, and it starts just with a bass riff. Oh no! And, it, and it's not a particularly hard bass riff. But if you just it's don't just know like, what it is, he just didn't know what it. Or no, he started it like. Okay, so I like 
he was starting it, but it was like the normal bass riff is like this. And he started it like. And I just turned around and I was like, nope. That's like a that thing you do kind of moment where it's like, I'm playing this wrong. Oh, we're all following along and we're all playing it wrong. Oh, it's so much better. Except for it wasn't. It would not have been better. And we, like, I, he started it and it was kind of that moment of we all look at each other like, this can't happen. <laughs> like, there's just no way for us to play this song at that tempo. And so I just turned around and was like, slow down, slow down, slow yeah. down. Like, I'm going to play this with you. Just slow down. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ah, I'd forgotten yeah. how much I hate that memory. <laughs> uh, and it's funny, too, because it sticks with you forever. But literally nobody in the audience will ever oh, remember yeah, that. No, they no, probably they have no idea. It's, oh, yeah. Oh, I've got so many bad performances that exist in the world. <laughs> the the funny thing, like thinking about it, so the only bands that have actually like played out with and played shows at places, those have all gone fairly well. So like Ocean Architecture is a band that I've talked about a couple of times, and I was just the vocalist for that band. And there were some times that were definitely rough, but for the most part, it was like. Yeah, whatever, like, oh, that was a kind of a rough show. But us performing, I felt pretty good about it in general, oh, you know, uh, more often than not. So that was pretty good. Island Ren, another college band, but it was like a folk band, and I played bass. And the times that I played with them, everything went pretty smoothly. And then um, with Cole playing with Oliver, and then the one time that you guys got to yeah. play with you guys, that was fun. Uh, yeah, generally, those shows all went fairly well. So a couple of times, I was, I'm playing drums in that, or Mempo, or whatever. Yeah. I'm playing drums with that, and for a couple of the shows, it was just me and Cole playing, just the two of us. And performance-wise, it went fine. Sound-wise, I think it just didn't really fill out well, that a whole thing. That's it's kind just of the too, guitar just and drums. A, well, and not only that, but like that's sort of a facet of like local shows yeah. and local. You know, if even if it isn't Murfreesboro specific, right. just like there's never a sound guy, right? And if there is, the yeah. soundboard's on the stage, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, excuse me, I need to come up on stage to like change something real <laughs> yeah. quick." And it's like, dude, we're in the middle of something. Yeah, man, like, alive. And typically, the, it's not like the amp was even mic'd or anything anyway, so yeah, no. he didn't have anything to turn up or down besides vocals, and it's yeah. like, well, there are. So, those kinds of things. Most of my worst shows, personally, so, I mean, which doesn't really help our conversation of live shows, most of the terrible shows were just kind of one-off, odd things from high school and various other times. I remember specifically, um, pretty much any time that beautiful dying day played me and my friend james it, we it was just the two of us that were in the band and we never had a drummer that was around that was able to play like metal and stuff oh, so yeah. it was typically me behind the drum kit singing and screaming and then james playing guitar and screaming some and then we would just have to find somebody else to play a bass part and nobody had ever played guitar parts because we didn't know anybody who listened to metal besides yeah. the two of us <laughs> so it was just the roughest garbage every time like it was so much fun to play with james and like he did a great job at it and i did what i was doing but just the working it all out together the pieces just never fit in yeah uh it would be interesting talking to him about it now because now he plays in a bunch of bands and tours all all the time and so complete opposite experiences (laughs) um so yeah as far as worst shows there's all that the one that i'll especially throw out just because it just I can think of it is um, in eighth grade at a talent show. My sister and I played Broken by 
um, Seether featuring oh, Amy Lee from Evanescence. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm and, so glad. Yeah, so it's an acoustic butt ronks buck butt rock song. <laughs> butt rock. And, <laughs> it's an acoustic ball rock song. Yes. <laughs> Give me the Tolkien. <laughs> Go back to the <laughs> So it was that. And then there's a guitar solo part in it where I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this part. And my yeah, sister yeah. was like, I I don't know, because it it's just your acoustic guitar and us. And so, like, maybe don't play the guitar solo, and that's going to be literally the only thing happening for, like, 30 seconds. And I was yeah. like, nah, I'm going to yeah, play it. Good. And the guitar solo is just like, so in the middle of, and I'm broken, blam, 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 red. It was so, so awkward. Uh, <laughs> just uh, did you feel the awkwardness in that moment, or do you retrospectively <laughs> no. feel awkward for I yourself? Think I, in the moment, I was like, everybody's watching me play guitar. Yeah. And then, like, halfway through this wall, I was like, but it wasn't a great idea. <laughs> so afterwards, I was still proud of the fact that I played this guitar solo and everybody watched me and listened to me, even though it's it's not even barely a guitar solo. It's it's really bad and very boring. I just played the one from the recording. And um, while it was happening, I felt kind of cool. But afterwards, I was like, that was probably not the best idea. <laughs> um, so that, that sticks out in my mind as far as worst shows and stuff go. Uh, as far as best shows... Just on the performance side, um, I also a, a favorite show I will say is the only show I, I've done a lot of stuff as like Parker Deal and mm-hmm. just doing my acoustic stuff, and that's always been a lot of fun. There's been some not great shows of that sort, but um, for the most part, it's just been a lot of fun. But only one time ever did I do like a full band with it, and it was for my CD release show back in 2012. It is so long ago now. (laughs) Um, And there, and I played most of the whole album and he had people playing all the instruments on it. And it honestly, like it didn't go great. We only had one practice where everybody was there and there were, it was like, 10 people in the band or so um, just because some of the songs logistically hard to plan yeah and so Mm. I I practice individually with various people and some people practiced a lot some people didn't practice very much at all but we didn't practice together (laughs) except for one time and so it it just didn't go swimmingly but it was a lot of fun and so that was I mean that's you know a big factor and then I think otherwise just as far as good shows go pretty much all the all the shows where it's like a band Lo and behold, Go Figure is like so much more fun and oh, just yeah. feels better yeah. than shows that are like thrown together when I mean like again, Beautiful Dying Day, me and James, like it was a band, but it wasn't a performing band. Like we only played very, very few performances. Um and we had a fun time doing it, but it would just it was always more stressful than it was fun, I think, because uh just we weren't like a band that played together and practiced. We were a band that wrote songs and recorded them and had just fun doing that kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I've got so many more thoughts, but that's enough of me garbling for a while. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll I'll say as far as like, I don't necessarily have like one best memory of playing with a band, but I mean, again, like I, I just how much I talk about low bagger. That was 100% my favorite band that I've played with. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most fun that I've had playing with a group of people. And again, the proudest I've felt. And, and so I feel like every time we played a show out, and it was like our our regular full lineup like we just 
I had more and more fun the more we went and the and I felt better and better about the songs that we played because you know we would we started with a certain amount of songs and then would like okay we're gonna practice them again and like oh maybe I can do this or maybe I can do this too in the song and so when you like refine them a little bit more and then we played one show uh, at another local venue but like a couple of bands from California had been coming mm. through and so they played at that show and they were super tight and really good and we left that show like we are garbage <laughs> we're just a trash band I can't believe we're so bad yeah. and so we spent like we really the next were. time we practiced and, just, and, and I mean like, <laughs> it, our, like I think we had a lot of room to grow in that moment yeah. and so mm. we all took that experience of seeing those bands and like being like we're not as good as those bands and spent the entire like next couple of times we practiced like reworking a lot of our stuff and turning it into something else or like you know working on dynamics like maybe okay this part this song is just loud the whole time so maybe we need to like change some of the parts or you need to do less and or you can change your part here so it's a little bit quieter during this section and, it, and then it feels louder later or just reworking a lot of songs to make them better so then the next time we played out it was like holy cow yeah this is way better like i feel way more mm -hmm. confident about it and mm -hmm. just super good about it and so yeah especially by the time we got to our last show too seamus had a beautiful uh, opening a chrysalis, like becoming a butterfly, uh, throughout the life of Low Beggar, because like the first show, he didn't really do a whole lot. He like he was playing guitar too, and so he mostly just kind of stood there and like played his parts and did a great job of that and singing and, and doing all of that, um, but really didn't do a whole lot other than that. He told one really great Detroit Lions joke, but that was pretty much it. Um, but by the time we stopped playing, like our last show together as a as a group before everybody kind of moved off. Uh, he just he just started getting buck wild by the end of our shows. Like he would throw stuff around, or at one point at that last show, his telly that he had, he just kind of threw it out into the middle of everybody, like just skidded <laughs> across the ground, like just sort of went wild and would get out in the crowd and like interact with people and like really ham it up and like it was super cool to just watch him get so comfortable with what he was doing and like who he was playing with and everything and getting to like see him just be a very different kind of performer i don't know it was super mm -hmm. cool so. hmm. very neat yeah as far as my live experience goes I, I i guess i just have more memories of like the good shows than the bad shows i've definitely yeah. played bad shows <laughs> and uh i, I mean some... like that's the shows i played in high school were terrible <laughs> like, yeah. but i don't oh, really yeah. feel like they're worth mentioning because it was just garbage the whole time <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and i uh, i don't know i i think like a lot of factors contribute to to a bad live show and that might be the sound guy or like the the yeah. venue is often a big part of it yeah. some venues are just not made for bands period like full <laughs> bands yeah and right. i've i've never been like uh in any kind of duo that does like you know just acoustic music or whatever or uh, i've never done my own solo stuff live like i've only ever been in a band where each member was either creatively like equal or there was like a front person who like I was playing for and it was their band. So I, I, I think like, like you guys were saying earlier, it takes a lot of the pressure off to like know that you're in a band mm -hmm. where everyone is putting to like their own thing forward as opposed to like, you know, it, it, this is your creative thing and yeah. everyone's relying on you to know what you're doing. Um, so I've never had to go through that experience, but I don't, <laughs> maybe I will someday. But yeah, my very first live show is definitely among my favorites uh, because there's video footage of it that I need to find. <laughs> so that's why I'm able to remember it so well. But, uh, it was the ninth grade talent show and it was uh, the first band that I was ever in. 
and I think we were called the Mr. Watt experience nice. because that was our science teacher. Perfect. And, uh, <laughs> and we, we didn't like him because it, it, I could be kind of wrong on this, but if I remember correctly, which I'm pretty sure it was, we didn't like him because he was the mean science teacher <laughs> who taught us evolution. Oh. But, he, <laughs> but he also he also went to the same church as me, which <laughs> was like a thing that I spread to the other bandmates. Like, yeah, this guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about because he's like teaching evolution but going to church. Uh, so we named the band after him for whatever reason. But... That's I came so to be great. in the band after the the other guys. Like I had played guitar, but I I was the bass player in the band. The bass player. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I played guitar, and uh, these guys knew that I had played guitar, and they were in a band, and they wanted me to play bass for it. And I was like, I don't really know how to play bass, and they're like, it's pretty easy. Uh, <laughs> they're like, you know, you just basically take away two of the strings on a guitar, and then just hit those notes. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll try it. So they uh, they they gave me two songs to learn for this ninth grade talent show and they were both black sabbath songs and <laughs> they were like uh just learn these two songs on the bass they're pretty easy and i was like okay i, I could borrow my neighbor's bass like my my kid neighbor had a bass, oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh it, it was like it, he was younger than me so like he didn't want me to use it for the talent show which is totally understandable but i was like a jerk about it i was like man let's just let me borrow a bass it's not a big deal <laughs> But so I kept telling the guys like I'm not gonna have a bass guitar for the show. So they all pitched in and bought me a bass oh, guitar, wow. which also added to like just the wholesomeness of my yeah. first live show experience. So we get there and the lead singer has the idea to pop out of a coffin, like oh, a perfect. homemade coffin. Oh, fantastic! Uh, yeah. So the band, the idea was for the band to get on, not on stage. We decided not to use the stage. We because it was in the gym. We wanted to be like on the gym floor. Yeah, of like, course. So everyone could see us better. Mm -hmm. um, so we we played on the gym floor. And uh, the gym teacher was like, you're not going to scuff up my floors. So he put a tarp down. So like, we put all the equipment, we put all the equipment on the tarp. And uh, the coffin thing didn't fly because they were like, no, you're not going to pretend to be in a coffin. That's so offensive. <laughs> so the lead singer just like, came flailing out of the back. He's like, yeah, I'm here. And I'm flailing out of the back. <laughs> so the other idea was to, at the end of the show, take the electric guitar that the guitarist was playing and smash it of course uh and There's that nothing also didn't else to do. with the gym teacher so <laughs> shouldn't we have like, flown with the guitarist either but you know whatever. <laughs> yeah he's like well, apparently it was an old cheap guitar that he didn't want anymore yeah. so he was gonna play the whole show with it and then uh, yeah. smash it so Man. that didn't fly either but the lead singer had an old acoustic guitar oh. that we our our stupid logic was well the gym teacher can't be mad because this guitar weighs so much less. And if we smash it, because that's not gonna, what it was about. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to do as much damage. So unknowingly to the gym teacher, we, at the end of the show, uh, the lead singer took the acoustic guitar and smashed it on the ground. And uh, that was the end of that show. Let me ask uh, this question. How many people were at this show? Oh, the whole school was in attendance. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, so that's... I mean, at least... I was wasn't say, like one person that's that, like, oh, cool. Yeah, like a house show of like 12 people that's, you know, <laughs> so much money to spend... Or to, you know, yeah. not to spend. You already had the acoustic guitar, but still like, what a waste to have yeah, to do. For but in front of the whole person. school, sure. What, you know, yeah. whatever. Go big. Right, right. Once and make an impression. 
take your moment yeah. in the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, so that funny. was that was my first like 15 minutes of fame was just playing bass in that band, and that oh, was really yeah. fun. Uh, so that was, I guess that's one of the better, it was probably a terrible show. Like I haven't watched that video in so long, but it, <laughs> looking back now, it was probably awful. Um, cause we practiced like once, but yeah. I think that seems to be the, the general, um, thing here is practice that everyone can agree on. Yeah. And you'll yes. have, you'll have a better show if you just practice. hundred percent. Oh, interesting. It's amazing how well that um, works out. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, speaking of house shows. When I was in college, I was in a couple bands, but my favorite band was the two-piece band that I was in that yep. played like surf rock and punk and garage rock and that kind of uh-huh. stuff because it was so easy. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's why so many people, people play punk. Band, <laughs> yeah, like punk music so popular because it's so freaking easy. <laughs> yeah, so I played drums in that band, and we were able like that. Just just the the fact that it was two of us afforded us so many more opportunities yeah. to play like house shows or whatever we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also learned a trick early on. Like we don't need to be technically better than the other bands on the bill. We just need to be louder, and yeah. people <laughs> will pay attention to that. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it made a lot of people angry, but you know, I think it it also made a lot of people. Like it tricked a lot of people into thinking that we were like better because we were faster and louder, <laughs> which obviously is not the case. But you know, uh, it was super fun to play. Um, so like when you got to the best, the best like house show that we ever played was uh, at this place called The Space in Orlando. Of course, and it was Perfect. just like this yeah. empty old apartment building that somebody rented out, and they just did like public functions like college kids just did functions there all the time and uh one like of the they did math like functions and- yeah <laughs> yeah Thank you. They did, uh calculus and hot yoga <laughs> and, hot calculus uh, hot calculus, calculus really hot room that you're trying to like write calculus equations in um <laughs> but yeah Terrible. so we we set up the band in the middle of like the biggest room in there once and the whole crowd just gathered like around us in a big circle mm-hmm. uh and we couldn't hear anything and it was horrible and awful and i'm sure the sound was terrible but that was like super fun because <laughs> i had nothing underneath the drum kit so it just kept sliding away from me yeah. so oh, audience, no. audience members would but it was it was great because audience members would just like push all my stuff back <laughs> towards me Love it. as i was playing perfect um yeah, until like one of my symbols just fell over and people just went to town on it. They're yeah. like, "I'm drummer now." Yeah. <laughs> I am drummer. What? But, drummer. Yeah. I speak oh, through. I was so ridiculously sweaty after that show. <laughs> it was despicable. Um, there, there are pictures and oh, they're rough to look at. But yeah, uh, those was some some really fun live experiences. But mm-hmm. I, I think the overall uh, message about that is practice with the band that you're in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and plan like plan plan what you're gonna do at the venue because a lot of venues uh there's always surprises and there's always yes. gonna be yeah technical in, things anything to worry about. that you need 100 percent to play your show and if you don't have it you can't play you better bring it with you <laughs> yeah. i don't care yeah. what the venue says they have or what any other band on the bill says they have oh we've if got you, three microphones okay cool for cool. three singers perfect and you i'm get still there, gonna bring oh, three one microphone <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh god yeah. it happens or yeah we've got power cables or we've got mm-hmm. bass amps or we've got mm-hmm. a kick drum yeah. you know and then you get there and it's either garbage uh-huh. 
or it's not there. Right. And some mm-hmm. was somewhere in transit, it got lost or something. Yeah. So it, yeah. I cannot stress to you how important that is. Just anything you need, bring it with you. I'm curious, uh, Matt. You may have a question related to this too. I don't know. Um, but just maybe even in list format, uh, pet peeves of what kinds of things make it to where even if your band specifically plays like the best show you can it's a bad live experience an example being um too many bands on the bill yes i have a great story about that yes. <laughs> uh another one that i thought of just uh oh i forgot uh oh yeah set list timing as far as mm-hmm. so those are the two ones i'll go ahead and give without um is set list timing being that like it, it, that was a big one of mine that, and I've talked about it on the show before where we are told we have 30 minutes my band everybody else in the band wants to try to go over that as much as yeah. humanly possible whereas I would like to go under it as much as really yeah. so like I'd like to stay at 27 minutes finish early make everybody happy yeah. whereas they want to go over it um, and we could talk about why that's good or bad or whatever but yeah just curious what are you guys pet peeves about okay so i'm gonna talk about both of those things you just said right now because i have i have one story that pretty much sums up both of the points that you just made so in murfreesboro there is a venue called main street yeah there is i knew you were gonna talk about that yeah yeah, because it was just the probably the worst like i'm playing a show here experience that i've probably ever had in my life it was the most frustrating thing (laughs) so they booked like 10 bands yep. to play one night. They sure did. And they, they played, yeah. and not only that, but they Dang. told every band like you have to sell tickets to this. And the tickets are like 10 or $15. Was this the show we were going to play with you guys? Yes, okay. and you didn't play it, and I will forever think you are the smarter band for not playing that show. Uh, so it was like a yeah, holiday huh. kind of thing or whatever they're putting this on. 10 10 bands at least, and you you have to sell tickets to it. You have to tell us how much you made and like bring all this money whatever blah 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 and your position when you play during the night is entirely dependent on how many tickets you sell so if you sell the most tickets you get to like play first and then you go down from there that is messed up it's not great so there's 10 of these bands and we all get there and straight up like all the dudes of low beggar are super introverted and not like i'm gonna go sell tickets to our people. my band and like i'm not gonna tell random freaking people like hey you should come see my band that you have no connection to yeah. uh come to this show in a somewhat cd venue and yeah. like i mean the venue is actually pretty nice like they have a nice stage sounds really great whatever blah 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 but I have no idea who else is playing at this thing. I don't want to invite people to this because I don't know how late we're going to be there. I don't know what time we're playing. I don't know anything about it. Like, yeah. I'm not going to invite people to that. And I'm not going to try and get people to pay 15 bucks to go see that. Mm-hmm. So we pretty much were billed dead last, <laughs> and, which is great. And every other band that played that night pretty much was like Pantera cover bands or Evanescence cover bands. And this is like a year ago. Or two years ago, like n- this is still pretty popular. Huh? <laughs> I mean, no, that's the thing. No, they're not. Um, so we sit there, and I, I, I think we had to get there at like four or five o'clock, and we sat through nine other bands that are all just the worst music imaginable. Um, I mean, like some of these people were fairly good at what they were doing. Like they were good at playing it, but it was just terrible music or 
whatever and and that's all kind of a different conversation in and of itself but they all went long too we had like 30 minute set times and almost every band was playing like 35 40 minutes Mm -hmm. and so we get down to the last two bands the the like band right before us is on stage they're playing and it's like minute 35 i'm not joking you there is my girlfriend preston's girlfriend and like one other and and i think one of my it, well, it was my wife, my girlfriend. She was my girlfriend at the time, um, and one of her friends, and and then like two other guys are just standing in the back, like watching this band, and of course like us because we're playing next. There's nobody else here, and this band on stage is like living it up and like, no, we're just gonna keep playing, like we're gonna keep doing our <laughs> thing, and like, yeah, no joke. That this motion was made a lot, <laughs> and I know that's great audio, but and so Very like sexual. at a certain point. Like the sound guy went up and was like, "You guys gotta stop playing. Like you're 15 minutes over time. Like we still got one more band to play." And they were just kind of like, "No, I don't. I think we're just gonna do one more." And the sound guy was like, "No, no, you're you're done. <laughs> just like turned everything off." And they basically came over to us and they were like, "Do you guys want to play?" And we we kind of looked at them. We were like, "Not really," because it was like one o'clock at this point, or yep. maybe even like almost yeah. two o'clock in the morning, and there's nobody else except for like. Our girlfriends there and we were kind of like not really but they were like well no that's awful you know if you still want to play like we'll just like take some photos of you and you can just have them or whatever and so like one of the <laughs> the girlfriend of the sound guy like took a bunch of like fairly nice photographs yeah. like they were good pictures and whatnot and they gave us those for free but yeah if you're in a band and especially there's a lot of bands keep your set list pretty tight yeah. like really did that time limit is there so people don't end up at 2 a.m. Like I gotta go to school Honestly, in the morning. <laughs> you're 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 doing yourself a disservice because you think you're playing more, therefore people will like you more. But you're doing yourself a disservice because people technically aren't there for you, and you don't want them to get sick right. of you. And that's yeah, the thing. You're like, leaving a, a you're leaving that with a bad taste in yes, everybody's mouth exactly. because you like, went over your time and you weren't supposed to. Like, yeah, I mean it's it's just like if you you know you hear about somebody who ate way too much shrimp one day got sick on shrimp has never eaten shrimp since like yeah. you're gonna be that shrimp where like yeah. <laughs> they listened to some of this band and it was good and then listen to a little bit more and then too much and they're like all right i'm ready for the band i'm actually here for none well, of this yeah. garbage <laughs> i mean people especially at shows like that if you're not the one bringing in a huge audience even if you are even if you're the best band of the night yeah everyone knows and understands that you have a 30 minute time limit yeah. and that uh, on a huge set like that and people will feel disrespected bands, among other yeah, things yeah it's very disrespectful even if you are legitimately super talented yeah. and everyone loves you don't go over your yeah. time just because people expectations is such a real thing yeah. where like mm-hmm. me knowing that a movie is going to be two hours two and a half hours versus me thinking it's going to be an hour and 30 minutes if i go into that movie and i think it's going to be one thing and it turns out to be way longer i'm like goodness how long are we going to be here but if i yep. knew king kong was going to be three hours before <laughs> i saw it i would have a not seen it b been fine with it like yeah. I, I just yeah. would have been prepared to feel like it was going to be an eternity in but a movie sort of, theater it does validate what i said though like yeah. i would not i would have felt terrible if yeah. i had actually sold yes. people tickets to that show and then they show up and it's like 
we're not going on until two thirty. You need like, to set I'm correct sorry. expectations. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. I and mean, like they're gonna leave. Yeah, totally. I'm not expecting them to stay until two thirty in the morning mm-hmm. at some crazy place. Like, yeah, what are you that's talking a big about? thing. Like for me in bands and especially with live shows, I I feel bad because I feel responsible for the people that I invite, 100%. and like that's why I don't like inviting to some people to something that I don't have full control over. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's oh man, it's just such a thing. Um, Speaking yeah. of shows that I don't have full control over, uh, come see me play Thursday uh, in downtown Nashville <laughs> yeah. at Two Boots Pizza, playing with the band. Two Boots. I don't know anything about it. It's at eight o'clock. <laughs> so, um, are you guys playing at eight o'clock, or is anybody else going on before you guys? Okay, there's there's three bands lined up. We are not the headlining band, uh-huh. um, so we are either the first or second band. Gotcha. Um, even though it makes more sense for the headliner to go on like, second, but <laughs> yeah. the headliner is going to go on last. So, and it starts promptly at eight o'clock. I would imagine we are the eight o'clock band. Gotcha. I I've got worship practice seven thirty to eight thirty. So I will probably not be there as I will be in the middle of worship practice. <laughs> I will probably not be there either as I have worship practice. <laughs> Whoa! Crazy. I mean, I had one more thought as far as like pet peeves of live shows. Were, oh, um, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. Matt, did you have any thoughts on that? Just um, like things no, that make. Yeah I, yeah, I totally agree. I think that that's BS to set up a show where, <laughs> because yeah, I've been in that situation too. It's like they ask you to sell tickets in advance yeah. or whatever, and tickets are ten bucks. And like, who who is anybody supposed to yeah. sell those to? Yeah, like right. any local band. Also, more bands doesn't mean more fans, like no, more audience members. No. It means that, no. especially if they know about it ahead of time, they're like, "Ooh, that's a lot of bands." Like I. I would personally, if somebody invited me to a band that was two or three, or I mean, a show that was two or three bands, I, I mean, a hundred percent, I would, I would go. Uh, that was a dumb yeah. sentence no, to even start, but like, yeah, that's just. But better. people don't stay for the whole show right. either. Like people, if you invite somebody to see your band, nine times out of ten, they're going to come and watch you, and then they're yep. they're out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gone, and that's not. Yep. It, it is what it is. I, it's yeah. not always great, and it's not fair to the people playing after you. Whatever, blah blah blah. It doesn't really matter. That's just how life is in small band town, <laughs> and that's yeah, fine. Exactly. But like having ten bands on a lineup like that yeah. is wild. Yep. Like it made no mm-hmm. sense. <laughs> because no, that's way too much. There even were like there was a pretty good crowd for some of those bands or whatever. But I mean, as soon as they were done, mm-hmm. especially with set change being as long as it was, like those people are out. They are gone, and like all the bands are leaving too. Which, that's kind of another point. Actually, that's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. If you're playing that night, stick around. Oh, yeah. As much as you can. Like, yeah. if you have to get up at 3 a.m., like, yeah, or, like, you don't travel have to travel back somewhere or something yeah, like, like that. It is what it is. But if you're just like, yeah, we're going to leave here and go to another bar to, like, hang out and stuff. It's like, nah, you just played a show here and, like, support the other yeah. musicians because, like, you want people to be here to see you that you don't know already. So like mm-hmm. just just hang out for a little mm-hmm. while. See, that's that's uh, I guess I kind of I don't disagree with that at all, but I do think that if you have other things that like this show I'm playing on Thursday, I'm probably not going to stick around for the the last band because they probably won't go on until ten o'clock, <laughs> maybe. And it's you in downtown work tomorrow. And I live in Spring Hill, <laughs> and I have to work the next. It morning. also, like, yeah, some of that really also depends just on like if you're not a band that's like trying to make it, quote unquote. Like, yeah. which I mean, 
my guess, Matt, from this is, you know, that for Jordan, who's playing with you, that mm-hmm. is the case. For you, who's playing with Jordan, that is not the case. Like, <laughs> you know, you're... Well, yeah, I mean, he might stick around the whole thing. I, every other band member might stick around the whole time yeah. or whatever. But, yeah, for me, I mean, I like, if I'm the one playing, I, I take my time seriously and, yeah. and I value it. And I value everyone else's time, too. Mm-hmm. So, but there's also, I mean, I think more often than not, if if a band goes on after I'm done playing and I've got all my stuff packed up and that band's not good to me oh, yeah. and there's nothing keeping me there yeah. other than like the idea that I need to support local music. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm, I'm probably not going to stick I'm around. With you. I totally yeah. get that. And, and true. Also it, it is sort of, uh, you know, subjective too of like, well, I saw them, they were outside the entire time we played and then they came inside when it was time yeah. for them to play. And then they went back outside. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to feel bad for leaving because you guys weren't in here when we played either. So, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting stuff. Yeah. But anyways, uh, no, that that was all the questions. My last question was, like, what are some of your annoyances when you're going to live (laughs) shows or being a part of live shows? So, pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh Um, Yeah, I think... I don't know. I didn't really have any any other particular questions or anything like that. Did you guys have any closing thoughts? I mean, just closing thoughts-wise, like... I mean, going to live shows, I, I honestly don't do it very often. Like I, I try to be pretty selective with it these days because I don't want it to be just a band that I'm going because I like their music and would just as much be listening. I, I don't know. Like I would just be listening to their album live, you know, and that's just like not particularly intriguing versus it being a band that I know is going to be a great performance and I'm going to, you know, get something out of it. And I know that's. Yeah fairly selfish but also like i only have a limited amount of money so (laughs) i can't go see every single band um so i i don't go see bands that often but when i do i hope that it's really good uh on the performing side i would love to play more i wish there were uh just a more low-key way of like uh, outlets to play shows in that I don't know, just like anybody could do. In the same way that a while back we talked about like songwriting, where it would be cool to be able to just do some commercial songwriting where just like anybody can, you know, anybody can do it. And it's like, here's a song that I wrote. I'm not going to play it. Somebody else play it. You know, something like that where it's accessible for just like the uh, hobbyist essentially. Because at this point, I'm a hobbyist of a performer where I just like to do it, but I don't have it because it's in college, it's it's all or nothing and now i don't have time for all but i'd rather not be nothing either yeah (laughs) so i'd love to find some in between there Uh, honestly the podcast is taking up time that music would otherwise um as far as like playing in a band and stuff so i don't know if it would even be feasible regardless but yeah it would just be that would be really cool and i feel like a lot of people would get a lot out of that if that were possible Mm -hmm. but i don't know yeah i definitely miss playing for something other than church stuff yeah because it's, it's just different. It's a different kind of creative outlet, and mm-hmm. I don't really have it. I don't know. I, I feel like I've been in kind of a rut lately just because I, don't, I haven't really been, like, specifically writing for anything. Mm-hmm. And most of the time when I sit down, it's like I don't really have anything I'm specifically writing for. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what I would do with it even if I wrote it. And so, yeah. like, I enjoy playing, and I'll, I'll, I'll like, practice and try and get better and hone a craft and yeah. all that, but I'm, I'm just not really – being super creative lately mm-hmm. i've also been heckin busy with all this house stuff so mm-hmm. hopefully that'll change soon yeah yeah once we get moved and everything i think my my life will settle down a little bit yeah. <laughs> grown boys mm-hmm. don't grow up yeah. <laughs> man but don't yeah. get busy but yeah good thoughts matt do you have yeah. any closing thoughts 
I do not. I My closing thoughts day. are I need to go get hopped up on some more medicine because nice. I am starting to feel it yeah. fade away. <laughs> Good but, plan. Uh, I thought that was a very interesting discussion. Um, yeah, that's that's what we think on live shows, and I'm sure we'll talk more about live shows in future discussions. I had uh, so many thoughts that I forgot by the time it was my yeah. turn to speak on something, <laughs> so that totally it's going to come up again. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure yep. it won't be the last time. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe we'll even carry on some kind of discussion on it next week. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, in the meantime, go give us a review on uh, the the iTunes place and um if that's where you're listening if you're listening on some other outlet then uh leave a review there if you're able to i don't know maybe you're not able to but uh write a review on itunes go subscribe and follow us uh we're also on the social media things uh not not super active lately (laughs) but we're gonna get back on that um, Says who? I've, I've, lo- <laughs> I've lost. Uh, I've lost all creativity ideas for like <laughs> clever know. Instagram oh, posts. So feet. Just start gonna, posting a lot of pictures. Hey, of I, feet. my Instagram for a while was just uh, Parker's feet, and it was just oh, like yeah. I would just take a picture of my foot and like my dog or something. <laughs> and so, but in every case, if I was watching a show, I'd have like put my feet up and take a picture of my foot watching that show oh that's what we're gonna do then and so, but then i was a little bit afraid that it was gonna just look like a foot fetish kind of yeah. thing and i was like i'm gonna stop this and just be normal <laughs> uh, so yeah <laughs> anyways if you want to see more of parker's foot fetish stuff then follow him on instagram brilliant at parker deal or Par- parker lark i don't know one of those yeah somewhere you'll find him he's on there anyways uh thank you so much for listening we really enjoy that you do listen and if you have any thoughts yes. please email us at joyceclectic at gmail.com do it we're on there and like i said all the social media things mm. um go listen to critically acclaimed uh this week's episode i was on and if you like death cat for cutie we talked all about their album transatlanticism and jake ramirez is a very very smart person who knows a whole lot about music uh, I would say arguably more than I do. <laughs> impossible. No. So you're gonna take which your place on impossible, our podcast, which is very possible because I know like hardly anything about music. I, don't know. <laughs> I just know a couple things that I like, but I like that album. So we had a really fun discussion on nice. that. Go listen to that. Uh, go check out Two Bros Driving that uh, our buddy Logan Barnes does with his buddy John Sudbury. Uh, if you if you live in the Nashville area, it's very fun to listen to. Um, and just go. Go, go do you. Go do your thing. If you're at work, keep it up. You're yeah. doing a really good job. So if true. you're driving, two hands on the wheel, buddy. <laughs> and buddy. Uh, and if you're at home, then just take it easy and relax. Put those headphones on and listen to my soft sniffles caress you to sleep. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, love. all right, guys. Love you. I guess Bye. That's it. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye.